Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of The Volume Knob, the songs that saved your life. This week, John Mack and Cavanaugh Park. Hello. Happy November to you and your loved ones. Welcome to episode 10 of season 3 of The Volume Knob. This is my 60th overall show, and what a wonderful and strange trip it has been. I want to take a second this week to let you know that there are going to be another season break in December. So sometime about a month and a half from now, I'm going to take at least four weeks off to prepare for the holidays and also for my teaching season, which starts in January. I'll confirm it with you as we get closer to the date, but I just want to give you an advance warning that in December, there will be fewer episodes of the show. I wanted to also thank you and anyone around you for becoming a new listener to The Volume Knob and for recommending the show to your friends and loved ones. This week, we have new visitors from Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Welcome. From Pong Tak in Korea, welcome. And from Seged, Hungary, the home of paprika, it says on Wikipedia. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Volume Knob community. I hope you enjoy what you hear. And if you do, pass the good word along to someone you know and love. Let's meet this week's storyteller. My name is John Mac Freeman, and I am a man who in my time has played many parts. And... The song that saved my life is Kavanaugh Park by Something Corporate. John Mack's story is about the transformative power of friendship. It's about finding someone who takes you for who you are and in so doing allows you to become a more whole version of yourself. I hope you enjoy it as much as I have. The story starts several years ago in John Mack's school in Georgia. can feel the nerves in my stomach and I can feel my heart beating so hard against my ribs. I'm surprised it's not shaking me. And I'm sitting on the stage in this classroom looking at my friend Megan and I can hear the quiver in my voice as I say, I have something I need to ask you. And if it makes you uncomfortable, then we can just skip by it. But I I do have something I need to say. And she looks at me in alarm and I finally just stutter out in one big burst. Do you want to go to homecoming with me? And she laughs and she's like, Oh, I thought you were going to tell me that there was something hanging out of my nose or something. It's like, Oh no. And so we end up going to homecoming together. I had known Megan for a few years at that point and we'd always been friendly and we started hanging out a little bit more and it really was a nice time. She was somebody that I thought was smart and interesting and somebody who I had a really good connection with. But I wasn't exactly honest with her when I asked her to homecoming because, you know, if this is a scene that where we're starting our particular play under our dramatis personae where we're talking about the cast, I'd be listed as something like Mac, 15, neurotic, wears khakis all the time, closeted homosexual. 
I have been involved in theater in some aspects since I was six years old when I started hanging around backstages. And something that I absorbed very early on is that you could get a lot of applause if you were really good at hiding who you were. If you became excellent at playing a character, then you could get the accolades of the crowd. And so, on some level, I had been doing that my entire life. Living in a small southern town with its conservative politics and even more conservative religion, there is no place for an out child in the early 2000s. And so I figured out how to produce a persona that people liked and that was accepted and that misdirected from the things that I didn't want people to see. And I was really good at it. I was a straight-A student. I had a circle of people who enjoyed me. I had decent relationships with my parents. But in the middle of all of that, I had this hole in me. People talk about depression, and they usually use color and visual imagery. They talk about how black it is or how it oppresses people or falls down on them. In my experience, depression is all of those things. But on top of that, it is a hole of silence. It is an oppressive quietness inside that nothing can fill. But the thing about the applause of the crowd that you get when you do the performance just so is it echoes in that quiet and it's not so quiet anymore. And I got really good at chasing that applause. I asked Megan to homecoming on some level because I was playing the part of normal high school student that goes to the school dance. I don't know if other people make these choices consciously, but I had for years at that point. And eventually Megan and I grew apart over that year. Uh, she was graduating. I got even more into theater. And over the next years, I would continue to make these conscious character choices and changes. So the next year I would come out and play the part of burgeoning homosexual advocate, but who's still approachable and not at all scary. And then I would go off to school and I would reinvent myself as someone who is approachable and smart, but is a master of all things. And so I would take 21 hours of class and audit another one besides, work 10 hours in the writing center, be involved with clubs, have friends, stage manage one show, write, produce, and direct two other shows, and drink everyone else under the table. I would leave there and join AmeriCorps, move across the country to a city I'd never been to, work in a elementary school in the Watts neighborhood of Los Angeles, make an entirely new group of friends. Every time that you add on one of these things, every time that I would add on something else that I did, I would get applause for it. I would get acclaim. Those characters were incredibly popular. But before Megan and I fell apart, she shared some music with me. Among the bands was this band called Something Corporate. And I've only ever really listened to music while I'm in motion, when I'm driving cars or when I'm walking around. Really, it's only when I'm alone that I listen to music. And there's a track on this album, Leaving Through the Window, called Cavanaugh Park. 
And the chorus, when the drum kicks up, says that there was never any place for someone like me to be totally happy. The problem with chasing applause is that when you're alone, there's no one to clap for you. So all you have is the empty. And despite all of the great things that I was doing and all of the effort I was putting in that was so primed for the spotlight, somehow I crashed and burned. And I found myself at 22, a complete failure. I had broken up with the boy I was seeing. I didn't have a job and I flew home to move in with my parents at my extended family's compound. I was living in an upstairs bedroom painted pink that hadn't been redecorated since a cousin had been born nearly 15 years ago. It had a castle on the background with two fairies pulling a banner that says dreams really can come true. And really the only things that I was doing back then were listening to audiobooks about meth addiction and knitting hats, because that's all I had the energy for. That's all I could really do. And I don't remember if I was getting another book about meth addiction or more hat patterns, but I was at the library when I ran into Megan again, another person who was never meant to be back in our hometown. And we instantly hit it up and fell back into our old ways. You know, she was still funny. She was still smart. And we started hanging out. She took me over to her house and fed me. And we talked about all the things that we had been up to. And she was not at all interested in the character and the mask, which is good because I didn't have any to offer at that point. I had no shiny left in me. I grounded myself and I spent a lot of time with her and we grew together and we grew happier through all of this and our lives started to get better you know she she met a military officer and decided that she was going to take her life in a different direction she introduced me to a bunch of her friends that I'm still friends with to this day and when she moved out of town she sold me everything in her apartment for a hundred dollars setting me up for a new stage of my life. And my life was getting better along the way too. I, I figured out what I wanted to be when I grew up and started a master's degree in, in library science. I met my own boy that I really, really liked. And even as our lives started to get better, and even as the distance between us got greater again, she was always someone that I could reach out to that whenever I needed someone who at the time I thought would give me the answer I wanted to hear. But looking back, it's more that it, she was someone who would give me the answer that the non-polished portions of myself needed. Self-acceptance isn't a straight line, of course. In his new career as a librarian, John Mack confronted the same desire to perform as he had before. This time, Megan was there for him. We decided to start a podcast together called The Gingham Altar. Welcome to The Gingham Altar. I'm Mac. 
It's a show that reviewed episodes of The Great British Bake Off, where we would not only review the show, but also we would try to reconstruct the things that they made in our own kitchens. And I was an adequate baker at best, and I had no experience in audio production. And I was thinking, I was like, do you think that we have bared our baking souls? I've, I've come awfully close. I think that but what this show really taught me week after week is that it's okay to not be perfect. In fact... Trying to bring your best self out is really, really dull. Instead, it's the hard edges. It's the pieces that don't work. It's the confession that the first time you tried to start baking something for this under the time, you threw an egg straight into the air and it splattered all over your kitchen. It's admitting that you spent 45 minutes on a broiled tort that tasted like a four inch thick pancake and that you just threw it into the trash. But there are successes along the way, but it doesn't matter because it's a connection with somebody who doesn't expect anything besides the fact that you showed up and you told the truth. The hole inside me has changed shape as I've gotten older and it's gotten smaller as I've learned to become more comfortable with who I am, but also to be more comfortable with the noise and the clatter that I make with my own mistakes and weird edges. And as I learned more about that, I was able to look back and see that whatever part I was trying to play, no one was asking me to do that but myself. I put those weights on myself, and when I decided to stop playing the part, nobody missed them. I have to admit that that urge to chase applause is still in me. It is a maladaptive coping mechanism and one that I'm not especially proud of. And so maybe I will keep making the same mistakes. I mean, some things never do change, but I'm learning and I'm getting better. And it's friends like Megan and songs like Kavanaugh Park that have helped me along the way because there was never any place for someone like me to be totally happy because it's not a place that I'll ever be happy in. There is no external that will ever feel that void. It's in the people who don't want me to be anything more than I am. Hey friend, thanks for listening. The Volume Knob is a weekly exploration of stories about the way music makes us feel. It's produced by Semel of an Audio, and it's made entirely by me. I am the podcast producer whose family watched the Canadian version of The Great British Bake Off while we were living in Britain. My name is Keith Seri. If you want to learn more about the show and get links to, among other things, John Mack's fantastic recent appearance on the Moth Radio Hour, check out the show notes on our website, www.volumenob.net. And while you're there, do sign up for our mailing list. Also, be sure to follow us on social media. On Twitter, we're volumenob1, that's the number one. And on Instagram, we are at volume underscore knob. Finally, my thanks to my son, Miles, for his 30-second review of Kavanaugh Park. So, did you like it? I did. I thought it was good. It's very... It's, like, calming, kind of. Like, normally I don't associate, like, 
uh, these type of songs with like calm, but like you have it gets to a certain point where like the melody is correct and it's and it's some and if you listen to the lyrics, it has like someone an inspiring message. So it it's like this music that I don't normally associate with calm is rather calming. Yeah, that. Thanks again for downloading the show this week, and be sure to listen next week for more stories about the songs that saved your life.